Hello, this is Angela Pennyfeather, and you are now listening to How I Built This Podcast. Today's episode is all about stepping into luxury. And today's guest, I don't know, I kind of feel like he's like the unofficial mayor of DEI. And if you're living under a rock and have no idea what that stands for, that is diversity, equity, and inclusion. He is the head of DEI for LVMH. He is Corey Smith. Corey, welcome. Hey. How are you, man? Thanks for I am great. I am great. Did I get your title correct? Because I feel like you have elevated so much. So this is where you stand. Yeah, that's it. Everybody, please. I've been called all sorts of things. So <laughs> we'll go. We'll go with Henna. We'll take that. We'll take that. Okay. Sounds good. So I first met Corey a couple of years ago when I curated a panel for Black History Month. And Corey was a panelist with other fashion and luxury brand leaders. And he dropped so many gems and so many jewels that I knew for this particular episode, everyone should kind of tune in. Because I kind of, like for me, Corey, like I admire your accomplishments, but I also admire the fact that you literally stepped into luxury, like from other industries. And for people that are, you know, from the outside looking in, they want to know what it's like. They probably feel like you have to have 15 or 10 years of experience in order to be a part of these fashion luxury houses and that may not be the case and so i want to know like from you like let's just start it off you know how was it for you when you got the role when you found out that you were going to be hired which was in 2020 correct how was it for you what were you feeling like what were your thoughts were you nervous were you anticipating it like what did you feel like can you do this i mean was First of all, it was a process. Let me start there. I, I think, you know, when people hear that I started at OVMH in 2020, I think it, it automatically kind of sends a different message, right? Because we saw a lot of corporations hire this DEI role in 2020, kind of on the heels of, of George Floyd and kind of the resurgence of Black Lives Matter in the summer of 2020. My conversation with LVMH actually started in 2019. So, okay. and I like to point that out because LVMH was ahead of the curve when it comes to kind of hiring for diversity, equity, inclusion. We had started the conversation towards the end of 2019. This is something that they knew they wanted to do. LVMH has a history of being pretty inclusive. They had had a women's initiative focused on gender for 15 years before I even came a part of, of, of LVMH. And so... I always try to lead with that because I don't want people thinking LVMH kind of just jumped on the DNI bandwagon in 2020. I started talking to them in 2019. I'd had like four or five rounds of interviews and the pandemic is actually what stopped my onboard because everything shut down, you know, obviously March, 2020. And so I didn't end up joining the group until September of 2020. But again, I had started having conversations in 2019. Look, I think for me, joining this world and, and entering a new industry, it's always a challenge. I think the beauty of what I do, diversity, equity, and inclusion is the work is the work. It's, it's, it's industry agnostic, right? Any yeah. industry, I don't care which one it is, and I've worked in several, there is always an underrepresented population. There's always a marginalized group. There is always the need for equity. There is always the need to be more inclusive. There is always the need for parity and again, doesn't matter what industry I've worked in sports. Every, most people know that before I joined LVMH, I spent 10 years in sports. I was at Major League Baseball. 
Before that, I was in entertainment, working at NBC Universal, so TV and film. I've worked in consumer products. I've worked in technology. I think the list goes on and on. DEI is the same in every single industry. Right. There is a need for parity for women. There is always lack of representation for people of color, sexual orientation, people feeling that they can come out and be their true selves from an LGBTQ perspective. All of that exists no matter what industry. And right. so LVMH was you know, no different in that regard. So for the work I do, I was pretty comfortable in, in what needed to be done and me onboarding. Figuring out how to do it in a new industry, that's where the yeah. challenge how do you feel like you've grown then, you know, in these last two years? Like you've done so many successful events and partnerships and collaborations, but just personally to you, like, what does that look like? Yeah, no, I mean, look, I think the benefits of 2020, right, is that there has been more diversity, equity and inclusion work done in the last two, okay. three years than ever been before. And so it's really forced those of us that do this for a living to step our game up. We've, we've had to push ourselves further to push the organizations that we work for further. But it was also a great time to leverage this moment to actually get things done and really accelerate the work that we've done. So I, you know, I used 2020 as a catalyst to kind of create initiatives and do programs and things that, you know, I might've thought of 10 years ago that right. I might've worked for an organization that just wasn't ready to, to do that. Personally, though, it's a clever move. Like, I mean. The, the role of DEI, I think there, I saw a stat that's in 2020, between 2020 and 2021, there was an 800% uptick in that role, in that title, just in corporate America. Everybody all of a sudden wanted to do this work, right? And what I understood also, because I've been doing this work for so long, was that there weren't enough of us. There, are, there weren't that many DEI professionals out there to satisfy an 800% uptick. And yeah. so, you know, the good and bad of that is there were some folks that, the job or or got the role that might not have been equipped to handle it. Yeah. Quite honestly. You know, they might not have had the experience or the skill set or the bandwidth to really now push an organization forward. But those of us that it, like it was it was all gas, no brakes. I'm like, I'm going. I'm going. You giving me this lane, I'm I'm all in. I, well, I feel like I feel like something like that really goes into being a leader. And like it's all about the style of how you lead people. And I think, and for me, I would want to know from you, like, what is your leadership style? Like, how would you describe it? You know, I, I think I'm a pretty good role. You have to be a pretty open person. Mm -hmm. You have to, you have to be very communicative because it's pretty explicit, mainly because there's so many different interpretations of what this work is. Yep. Some people think it's social responsibility. Some people think it's more philanthropic and, and charitable focus. Some think it's, oh, well, you're just here to hire more black people or so, you know, so I have to be very communicative in how I define the goals, the objectives, our reasoning, our strategy. So communication is huge. You almost have to be kind of like a, a jack of all trades. I need to know what's going on in all aspects of the business, because that's another misnomer about, about this role is that it's really only HR focused. But I, I to your point, I, I am able to do things from an experiential perspective, from a marketing yep. and branding perspective, supplier diversity. So I need to know what's going on with procurement. So you quickly learn, okay, I need to know a little bit about marketing. I need to know a little bit about finance, procure, HR, obviously. 
And so you kind of have to have this breadth of skill set, scope, open-mindedness to really be able to embrace all the different areas of the business to then be able to lead them or at least influence them in an effective way. And so that's what's really worked for me, just mm -hmm. being able to kind of see the whole board and know all the right. pieces and, and really figure it out what's the best way to execute. I mean, I, I like those addresses that you use, open and communicative. Yeah, ton twister for me. <laughs> I I hundred percent agree, and I feel like is a lot of people do have that misconception that DEI is just HR. And you brought up a lot of key points that you really have to be able to know other departments in order to effectively do your job or make sure that the goals are met and aligned. So I think that's smart. You also brought up too many black people, and mm -hmm. so. I've seen this. I do want to touch on this with you because I've seen this in conversations or in blog posts. There was an article too in Forbes that why are people of color in these roles and not non-people of color? And I really wanted to know, Corey, like, what is your take? Are people reading too much into it? Is it just a job? Like, doesn't matter who it is, you know, or what, no, what is Corey thinking? Great, great, great question. I, I, I say this, you know, you need to be culturally agile to do this job. You need to be informed of what it is to be a part of a minority community. You need to be empathetic. And so, you know, I am, I am no bird in all dimensions of diversity. Right? I, I, I am not part of the LGBTQ community. Right. So you don't need to be of the community to understand the struggles of the community, though, right? And so, you know, that for me, you don't need to be a person of color to do DEI work, mm -hmm. but you do need to know what it is to navigate the world mm -hmm. without the world always seeing you and valuing you and acknowledging you, right? And so there is part of this work that you have to have some lived experience. But it's not, it's not only that, right? So much of this work is about strategy and it is about process building and it is about operational efficiency and how am I going to get people to do something that they're probably not even thinking of because they haven't had the lived experience. Right. So being informed about what other people are going through and some of the struggles that they're going through, you don't necessarily need to be part of that group. Right. And so allyship and advocacy are as important as you know being part of you know the in group versus the out. So yeah, you know that's that's some of it, I, and that's probably the best you know analogy no. I can use. I'm not a woman, but I know the struggles right. of women in a minority group in corporate America. Yeah, right. And the pay gap and all of the things women go through and having to deal with maternity issues when they want to have a child and need to go. You know, how do you create that work life balance? Maybe dads. Right. And so, you know, this idea that you have to be part of the group to, to help the group is not necessarily true, but you need to know or be informed about the challenges in order to be able to be a part of the solution to those challenges. Right. I love the word that you use, culturally agile. And for me, like, I want to know, do you think DEI is now before like when it comes to brands or luxury or fashion it's always about the clothes it's always about the fashion the designers do you feel like dei is now part of that ingredient to make a brand successful 
I just had this conversation with, with some of our leadership at LVMH. I, I think when I arrived at LVMH, so much of the strategy that I created was informed on the way we do business. I can honestly, truly say, you know, two years later, two and a half years later, it's now a two directional relationship. I think the business is now informed on diverse by through diversity and inclusion. I think there is this moment where our maisons think about, okay, well, what's this marketing campaign going to look like before I put it out, right? I, I have emails in my inbox right now from some of our brands that are saying, we have this campaign, here's our new collection, but we want you to put your eyes on it before we release it because we want to make sure we're not going to be offensive or we don't want this to appear as if we're culturally appropriating, right? And so just that, those emails wouldn't have come to me two years ago, three years ago. So the industry is changing, but I'm also very clear, like, I don't want to be the fashion police, right? Like, I'm not here to stop a creative director from creating. Yep. I want the business to be very intentional around how we are including people in our business. And so I don't want to be the fashion police. I just want to make sure that we're culturally sensitive to yep. as many people as possible. And that's a fine line, right? I, I, I I've stopped some brands from doing some things because I know, okay, we're going to get dragged if this hits social media, which is a good thing because if, if it weren't for this role and if I weren't for here, who knows what the backlash would have been. And, and I'm proud to sit in this seat because there are things that I know I've presented, prevented that yep. the world will never see and right. rightfully so because right. we were probably in that moment a little off. We were a little insensitive. We hadn't thought it all the way through. So let's reel that back and figure out a way. No, and I mean, I think that it's great for you to be in this role because we've seen other brands be attacked for things like this. We've seen it in the media. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm hoping, you know, not everyone is going to be a quarry in these, wherever they are. But I do feel like, you know, for me, I want to know, is there like a network? right, of DEI professionals where you guys all lean on each other and support each other and say, no, don't even do that. Like, what are you thinking? Like, have you ever had to do that? Or you're kind of like, well, whatever you feel, do how you feel. I mean, within RVMH, we have our, you know, we have our little. But outside. Outside, I have peers, I have friends that I know that we've worked together or we've been in this industry, DEI industry for years. And we you know, we provide counsel to each other. And again, everybody's in different industries, but again, yep. the work is the work, yep. right? So if I reach out to one of my friends in healthcare, he might have different struggles than I do in luxury goods, yep. but the struggles might not be so different if you think about it, right? And so we'll bounce just ideas off each other. You know, what do you think about this? I literally just had a conversation with one of my really good friends in, in DEI about the term Latinx, right? Like his people, Latin people, while they may not like the word Hispanic, they don't use the word Latinx. Latinx at the end. It's either O or A, right? And so, you know, we had this whole, just the two of us, by text, we had this whole kind of dialogue, bouncing ideas off of each other around, how do I communicate that internal to a corporation? Because corporations kind of adopted because it, it was easy, yes, right? Sure. The X part, right? And it's like, but what are we really communicating to those in that community? Um, so, you know, I have, I think 
we all need more, but I have people in my kind of inner circle that I can have those kind of conversations with. We'll at least sound check each other. Like, does this make sense the way I'm thinking before I kind of take it back to work and execute? So, yeah. Now, do you find the work to be emotional? Yes and no. Look, I think you, you look at 2020. I think that's what made people lean in so much okay. in 2020. It was emotion. We all watched a man get murdered. We all watched it, literally. There was, a emo there was an emotional reaction to that. All of a sudden, everybody said, okay, oh my God, I, I, I may not have ever done anything before, but now I want to do something. It was an emotional reaction to that. I think that for me, the challenge with people only approaching DEI from an emotional perspective is that emotion won't last. Right? So by 2021, you were on to something else that was pulling at your heartstrings may no longer have been Black Lives Matter. By 2021, we had Stop AAPI Hate, and then we had some other things. And so the challenge with it being purely emotional in a corporate setting, is emotions will change. And so I have to leverage the emotion to act really quickly to generate process and protocol and operations out of that, formalize that emotion, so that once your emotion changes and you're off to the next thing, I've now got a process for you to at least follow to stay on track with. So it is emotional. I think for those of us in the room, we don't get to be emotional. We have to separate the emotion right? because people are coming to us all day long with all sorts of issues. Some are genuine, true, like ethics and compliance issues, right? Or violating corporate policy issues. We have to remain calm to be able to solve for that, right? I've been in settings, and especially earlier on in my career when I was just kind of entering diversity, equity, and inclusion, it took me a really long time to figure out how to react emotionally to some of these. And how did you do that? Like skills? It's it's taken some time. I mean, I've been in rooms where people have said some pretty horrible things about black men, almost forgetting I'm in the room because I'm in I'm in corporate mode, right? So and I can't react because. And you feed into the stereotypes and you feed into all the other things. And so there are ways to solve for, there are ways to respond. There are ways to engage without it always being emotional. And still get your point across and still be effective. Quite honestly, still check somebody. <laughs> I can check you without being emotional, right? I've had to really learn to separate that and compartmentalize, you know, probably my, my real feelings on a lot of these subjects versus how I need to engage in, in, in a corporation and in corporate right. America in order to actually make an effect change. Uh, and so you know, personally, I wrestle, re rationalize and wrestle with how come I'm so easily able to compartmentalize it? Because some of it, you should maybe have an emotional right. reaction. I just realized that you know, for us in this role, the emotion probably doesn't solve what we needed to solve. Others have different opinions. I've talked to some folks where, yeah, they like will break down crying in a, in a room and that works with them. That won't work for me. Right. <laughs> you know? So, right. You got to so. find out what works for you. That's yeah, what it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to ask you, because I know a lot of people come to you with advice on how to go about or even being a part of an organization like LVMH, but let's just say that they want to be in the luxury goods, you mm -hmm. know, industry. 
is it doable? You know, someone that's whether they have been in healthcare for 10 years and they want to try it, like, is it doable? I mean, look, I think anybody can pivot. It's not easy, but it is doable. Those two are not the same. Easy and doable are not the same thing, right? And so, right. And so I I definitely think it's it's doable. I think one of the things for me was I had had a track record, a consistent track record in this one area. So LVMH knew, okay, this guy doesn't have any clue about working in luxury goods, but he knows diversity and inclusion. And that's what we're hiring at for, right? right? The same way if you're in marketing and you've got a really solid track record in marketing, would it help? Did you have marketing experience in in the industry? Of course. But that doesn't mean that you couldn't get a job in this industry if you've got a solid track record. It, it, It really becomes... What's your skill set? What's your experience? And do we consider you a subject matter expert? And I think that applies to anything. Now, right. with that said, some avenues are harder to navigate than others. I think when you start to talk about things on the creative side of the business, right? So yes, creative directors, things that are involved truly in fashion that mm-hmm. we're selling, even some of the visual merchandising in that aspects of the business, the creative side of the business might be a little bit more challenging. Again, not impossible. I do believe it is doable. It require a little bit more effort. Now, were you a fan of luxury? Just not DEI, but just were you a fan of luxury before joining LVMH? I'd like to think so. I'd like to think I was a pretty stylish dude before I got here. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, everybody is very familiar with our brands and our yeah. brand names, right? It's, it's part of our cachet. Like, you know, these are historic, iconic Maison, you know, hundreds of years of history. And so the answer is yes. You know, again, I don't know that my closet reflects a very couture ready to wear ensemble, but you know, I know how to put a, I put a few pieces together and, and step out the house when it's time to. So yeah, I mean, I, I always tell a joke that, you know, I'm the product of 12 years of Catholic school from first grade to 12th grade. And I always wore a uniform. So when I had the opportunity to start dressing for myself, right. oh, I went crazy. <laughs> I, I went absolutely crazy. And like, I, I love clothing. I'm a sneaker and I got closet. Don't, don't even start the sneaker conversation. We'll be here all day. So yeah, you know, I, I've, I've been involved personally in that yeah. world, probably way too much money on certain things but you know it's part of it so i'm i was very familiar with a lot of this before i walked oh. well there is one other question that i have to ask you sure you know if you can list it in three adjectives how have you built this mm-hmm. wow that's tough I, did, I, did i stick Corey? did yeah, i have... you got me you got me look i think it's i think it's influence I think it's commitment and I think it's passion. Those are my three. You cannot do this job if you are not passionate about it. You have to be committed to the journey of this job because it is there is no short, quick, it takes time. And then at the end of the day, like I said, it's, it is really a role of influence. What I'm trying to do is convince people that if you created a more diverse, inclusive culture, actually enhances our business, not the truth. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, those are my three. So thank you for sharing. We're Sweet. now going to go into our speed round. This is where I ask our guests about eight to 10 questions. 
Corey has not seen these questions. No, I haven't. I'm not <laughs> Don't be scared. But I will say you can only plead the fifth once. Mm. Okay. So I'm gonna give you that option. But okay. I'll start. I'll start easy. Okay. You ready? Coffee or tea? Are you a coffee oh, person or tea, tea. person? I, I don't drink coffee. Tea. Same, same. <laughs> All right. Movie. Juice or Boys in the Hood? I got to go with Juice just because I'm an East really? Coast guy and it was filmed okay. in New York. So yep. Juice, for sure. Boys in the Hood was great, though, but I'm I'm all day Juice. I'm fucking the 40 Belows. So that's classic. Like, come on. <laughs> Are you a full pantsuit kind of guy or do you like a casual fit? As I've gotten older, it's become more casual. Fit. I had jobs where I had to wear a suit. And now, and I, again, I just told you my whole uniform thing. I'm casual fit all day long. All right. This one I feel like might be a toughie. Uh -oh. Knits or nets? Brooklyn nets? Your nets. You're killing me. But again, true New Yorker. This is home. Born and raised. I was a Knicks fan way before the nets got here. So I, I can't right. switch up. I get... Killed if I switched up now. So Knicks, they don't, they don't that doesn't serve me well. But Knicks, I don't know. Like for me, I grew up going to be gay with my dad at the Garden, yeah. and like son, yeah. he is there's nothing garden. like a game at the Garden. Love the Barclays, but there's nothing like a game at the Garden. Nothing like the Garden. Agreed. Agreed. All right, your favorite quote to live by, and this could be a personal quote. It could be a quote that you just love and you take it with you on your day to day. Oh, for sure. I I have so many, but I'm, I'm going to go with what's on my IG page right now, which is by my favorite line, because I'm, I'm, I'm never one for, like, too much fame. You know, I'm, even this, getting me to do this, I had, I had my reservation, but my favorite quote is stay low and keep firing. I love it. Stay That's low it. and keep firing. Stay low, stay low and keep firing. Like, I don't, I, I just want to get the work done, head down. You never see me coming. Let me just let our audience know this is the same man that took a photo with Janet Jackson. <laughs> just want to Fair point. Fair point. So which place do you feel like has the best when it comes to luxury? Fifth Avenue or Miami Design District? Hmm. That's tough. I mean, Fifth Avenue is just so iconic. And again, the New Yorker in me really wants to choose that, but. I love the design district. And I mean, it's Miami, so it's like 80 degrees all the time. I've, I've really, really fallen in love with the design district. I love the stores there. Teaks are all really new, freshly done, modern designs. So I don't know. I might get in trouble with my New Yorkers here, but I think I'm going with design district. Yeah, I, I think design district has come a long way. It has evolved. Like, here it sure. is now. Okay, you're... What do you think is the most overused word in DEI? There are several. I mean, just in corporate America alone, right? Like, think out the box is definitely overused. We're so tired of hearing that. In DEI specifically, though. Where you're like, I don't want to hear this. Think of another word, guys. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm actually kind of over the term, period, if I'm being honest. Because what I actually think we do, I think we're corporate culture changes. Get to the heart of what DNI actually is. It's really about changing corporate culture, diversity and inclusion. I get it. Make the place more diverse. Therefore, it's more inclusive. But what happens behind the scenes to actually make that effective? Because I could just hire a bunch of difference. That's right. easy. But to then make it effective, what you're actually doing is changing corporate culture. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. 
But I'll go without the box just because I hear it's still way too much. Now, what pair of sneakers is which? Can you think of a pair of sneakers that you would wear every single day of your life? Wow, that's impossible. That's impossible for me to choose. Yeah, there's no way I'm ending on one. I could probably do it. Yeah, I'm pleading the fifth. I get. I forgot I had that. I'm pleading the fifth on that. Definitely pleading the fifth on that. All right, the last question. So you can't plead the fifth on this one. Ready? Okay. A tribe called Quest. Ooh. Leader of the new school. Oh, tribe all day. There's no. There's no leaders without tribe. There's no leaders without tribe. Tribe called Quest. I mean, I'm also. I said I'm in New Yorker. I'm also from Queens. Shout out to the Queens and and home and Tip and God bless Fife. Yes. Yes. Tribe all day. All, All day. day. All right, guys. So Corey plead the fifth once. I honestly thought you were gonna you weren't gonna plead the fifth. But uh, good thing we didn't bet the on this. <laughs> but we do have I just have two questions from those that submitted it on Instagram. The first okay. one is what is it like being a black man of power in a mostly European run industry? If I'm being honest, if we're comparing nationality and geography, I think being American is probably more difficult than being black. Dealing with a French-owned business, the French-American philosophies, and even styles of communication and all of that are very different. And so I've had to really learn to adapt to just French thinking. Now, does my race or ethnicity have something to do with some of that? Of course, but the just American style of working versus the French style of working has been actually harder for me to navigate than mm-hmm. probably the color of my skin, believe it or not. So yeah, I, I think it has less to do with being black than it just is being American. And obviously the language barrier. I, I need to learn French and do so. Because they right? all know English, Goals for right? 2023? Goals for 2023. Perfect. French lesson. Okay. Now, another question came from, what are you looking forward to in DEI for 2023? Oh, that's, that's easy. I think we've got some really great things that we're working on at LVMH. Our Maisons are all doing well. You know, 2022 was a good year for us. Probably the biggest highlight. We've got some really special things I can't share yet. We've got some no. really special things that we're working on for, you know, 2023 is the 50th anniversary of hip hop. And we are going to you know, come up with some really cool ways to celebrate hip hop, pay homage. You know, this is an industry that is definitely borrowed. I'm using that term loosely, borrowed from hip hop culture. A lot of our brands have leaned into hip hop in a variety of ways over time. Yeah, You know, I can go back to the the graffiti bags that Vitan did, which were amazing, right? You see a lot of streetwear influence and a lot of the ready to wear collection. And the latest collaboration that Dior had with the First with Travis Scott, Cactus Jack collection. Now they've got the, the Dior Tears collection with Tremaine Emery from Denim Tears. And, you know, he's also creative director of Supreme. So hip hop is woven throughout our industry and definitely within LVMH. I mean, Nas is the brand ambassador for Hennessy, which is one of sure. ours. And Beyonce are the brand ambassadors for yep. Tiffany and Nas, arguably two of the best MCs to ever touch a microphone. And so we are hip hop. And so we plan on celebrating that this year in a awesome. variety of ways. And so I'm really, really excited. That sounds exciting. And if Hove is in the building, I better be there. Okay. 
I got you covered. I got you covered. Worry, thank you so much. And really continue to be the agent of change for this industry. You know, I'm always inspired by not just your work, but by the passion that you put into it. And so based on what Corey said, for those listening, stay low and keep firing. Until next time. Bye. Mm-hmm.